and welcome to Shoes Off for the Blue and Green. This is episode 5 of 2023, Push to the Playoffs edition, in which we are going to talk about the ground we kind of have to make up to make the playoffs now that the other teams have caught up to us in the amount of games played. Our path to the playoffs is clear. We're also going to talk about transfers, um, about some league-wide news and to do all of that with me, I have, first of all, Namu of Center of the Universe. Yo, what's up, guys? On the bus. <laughs> <laughs> we are literally taking TTC as we do the, the, the spaces. Uh, also, we got Josh as my co-host. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Nice to chat with you again. And we also have Kyle joining us on the speaker side of things. Hey, Kyle. Hey, what up, guys? All right. Um, we got a lot to talk about in a little amount of time, so we'll get right into a quick recap of the games. Um, I'm going to run through the last six games, again, lightning fast, and then we'll get into each one a little bit more. Um, the first couple games in August, that's where we're getting started. It's been a little while since we had a show. We had a, a pair of back-to-back 3-3 draws, both on the road, both against Ontario rivals. We first went to Ottawa, where we saw Brian Wright get his first goal of the season. More on that later. Kevin DeSantis get his third goal of the season. And Nate Ingham get an own goal. I think that's the one that like bounced off of him. Um, and um, our next game against Forge, Brian Wright and Kevin DeSantis both on the score sheet again in that game. And Mo Babuli gets one as we draw Forge 3-3. Unfortunately, we were in the lead um, and... Uh, did not hold on to the lead as Forge came back in that one. Then we went to Calvary, lost uh, two to one, in which Baya got a second goal. Um, then we hosted Vancouver FC in a uh, game where we had an exciting comeback and with a goal from Mo Babuli in the second of the season by Austin Ricci. We beat Vancouver 2-1. to one. Uh, Almost the exact same result in the next game played on September 4th against Halifax Wanderers in Halifax. Wanderers grounds, they did get the first goal, but we came back with a goal from Austin Ricci, as well as the first of his CPL career, and he's been with us for five years. Uh, so exciting to see Roger Thompson get his first goal for the Nine Stripes. But unfortunately, and a lot of our listeners and the pe- people uh, hosting uh, we're in the crowd for a 3-1 to one loss uh, hosting Valor, a team that's really on the cusp of not really making the playoffs. Um, and an opportunity we had to get as high as third place, we couldn't do it. So which of those games um, do you think you want to, uh, you know, that stands, that stands out to any of you? I think the loss to Valor 3-1 to one is our most recent game is certainly a disappointing one, but it comes right after maybe an unexpected victory in Halifax, where Halifax usually hold it down, but we were able to break through there. So, between the 3-3 three, three draws, uh, the back-and-forth uh, loss and win to end August, and then the two games in September, uh, who wants to kick us off here? You kick us off, bro. Go for it, man. Well, I say, I'm very disappointed in that last Valor game, not to start us off too negative, but um, it looked like Valor really outplayed us. I mean, I know we ended off with a couple red cards. People, uh, you know, yours truly were not happy with the red card. I mean, seeing it again on a replay, it was like a bang-bang play. So while it might not have been intentional, just when a studs-up contact is like that, they're going to give it a red card, whether or not we like it. Um, and then maybe one, I don't know if, if we can be more agitated about, was seeing Mo Babuli. I didn't realize until I saw, um, hopefully this is accurate, but on the sofa score where they have Babuli getting one yellow card in the 91st minute for an argument, and then immediately after in the 93rd minute picking up the second yellow, if I'm not mistaken, his second red card of the season means even if this one was just a double yellow, he does miss an additional game. So we're going to have no Babuli when we uh, host Pacific coming up this weekend. Or on September 23rd when we host Calvary, we'll be missing Babuli and Batne, it looks like. So, um, you know, a negative start there. But, but, you know, we had back-to-back comeback victories. So we did show resilience there. 
Um, we showed a lot of consistency in our lineup. In this entire streak of games, I said, we have both had Clement Baia on one wing, Kevin Dos Santos on the other wing, Mo Babuli in between them. And for the games in August, Brian Wright up front and then Austin Ricci getting a shot at the number nine in September. And personally, I loved that seeing that Austin Ricci at the number nine spot. Uh, even no, uh, now that De Rosero is actually back from his suspension, topic we'll get into a little bit later. We'll get into the the strikers there, but it's it's cool to see that consistency throughout. Our defense has been a bit of a rotation because Paris G's uh, missed a few games where he was a bit of an Iron Man in the first part of the season. Um, yeah, so that's my thoughts. Again, mostly on the the, the most recent game. What do you got for us, uh, Josh or Kyle? Um, just a comment on like that Valor game. Um, Babuli getting getting a red card. I didn't even notice till after the game either. Um, and he was our captain that game. I think getting a yellow in the ninety plus one, and yes, yeah, second one in ninety plus three for arguing. It's just like you can't really do that as the captain. You gotta be kind of the cool head. Um, and like, I just, I don't know. It's just when I see, when I see that happening, it just doesn't feel like there's a leader in the team. There's not someone that's like getting people to cool down. That could be why our performance was so bad as well. So I just kind of wanted to comment on that. No, that's a, a good point. Or, uh, Actually, that's the second game. It looks like that Babuli's in captain recently. There was a little stretch there where, I mean, uh, Giannisopoulos was was captain for a while. Then uh, Roger Thompson came in for a bit. And it's been Roger Thompson uh, a good amount, who I think has been playing uh, good as well. But then they give the captain's armband to Babuli, and we don't really see that. Yeah, I agree. I'm kind of maybe surprised. I don't know what... Uh, if Gagnon Lapare ever did any any uh, was a captain at any time or something like that, if he's that kind of leader uh, or or not, but we um, yeah, it, it's it's yeah. not encur- it's not encouraging to see too, especially when it, when a defense uh, gets red carded so soon. You got to really switch things up with the yeah. lineup there. I don't think they needed a sub immediately too. They just kind of rolled out probably three at the back and probably just told Datakube or Ganyan Lapare to get a, a bit further back. Um, and then we did see uh, Esprit. Esprit's been coming on a little bit at right back. He got a start at right back against Cavalry. Um, and we also saw um, a very, very new signing. We'll get into that later. Uh, Martin Perot. And I, I feel like I kept seeing him on the, the wing there. And I think he was a wing mm-hmm. back playing a bit on, on the left wing. Uh, so they probably push what they did then was probably push Pierce G, who started at right back, uh, to play center back when the bat net went out. So, but yeah, yeah, no, well, yeah. Yep, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no worries. Like near the near the end of that game too, it looked like we we had some life in us. Like kind of like the last ten minutes, it wasn't for a big, big, uh, big period. But it's just like it, it's tough to watch that because it's like, all right. We have ten minutes left in the game. We're down three zero, and now we're starting to play. Like, where was that the whole game? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that like the story of our team though, the whole time. It's like we don't really <laughs> get into that year until until we're losing. Like, it until, seems like yeah, we it needs to be like us on the the counter to really start having that uh that attack mentality. But but it's so hard to yeah, do anything and, when you get a red card. You're a man down from the thirtieth man onwards because the guy slipped on the ball. You know what I mean? It's so hard to create anything, I agree bro. With that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree with that. But even like in games where we don't have red cards, red cards, it's kind of the same story. And I don't know if that's like a lack of a leader on the pitch. I don't know if that's coaching not being able to motivate it. But it's just like it just hurts to see when it's when it's as consistent as it has been. I, I will say at least you know like uh, you know I haven't seen the full match replay yet. So I can't comment like too much on the details of the game and stuff, but that lasting image of uh, uh, Dero and Brian Wright coming up to the ref and uh, clapping him off uh, uh, when he made that red card for Babuli, uh, like you know, shit was funny. 
I remember that one. <laughs> yeah, they got a that, that got that definitely got people heated. <laughs> like, oh, don't do that. It's it's the kind of thing where like you're you're probably pissed off in that situation if you're a player. And and I I've refereed for a number of years. I don't do it anymore. But like that's why I try to hold off a bit for the referees. But like I've seen it just so often from quite frankly from other teams saying like the referee is so substandard and so bad. And, like, you see it on YouTube and, and really everywhere. And then, like, I'm starting to maybe be convinced of that, especially when there's game deciding things. Not even in our game. I don't know if anyone watched. Um, I, I don't want to mistaken the teams, but I'm really sure it was Halifax against Cavalry, where I think Nimic got what should have been a goal, but the ref saw a couple of players kind of holding hands or holding arms together, called it back. And then I think quite rightfully, a lot of Halifax, Halifax fans, um, including uh, down the pub who uh, I've been on there. Um, and those, those guys are saying, Hey, that's really kind of atrocious is, is just kind of what's going on. So um, I mean, it's, it's almost at this point, nice to see when a game goes by without some game, uh, decision being made from the referee but on the other hand like you have to win decisively so something like that doesn't teeter the the game uh, being won or lost but no great point on needing to really sometimes go behind to turn it into extra gear because I think when we lost the cavalry um, two to one I think same thing we were down two nil then we start looking pretty good and bias scores and then it's like oh maybe we can get a point here I mean, that's a big deal in Cavalry, who are the first team to, to clinch the playoffs recently. But when we uh, play Vancouver and go down very early, I think we were down like, sometime in the first 15 minutes uh, pretty early on in that one. And then uh, to come back was, was really nice and exciting. I made it for an exciting home game. But we don't want to see this become a trend when we have all these home games, when we play uh, Pacific, Cavalry, and Ottawa next. The problem with our home stretch is we played the only team of the four teams, um, or sorry, of the four games we have in this home stretch, we played the only non-playoff team. We lost one to three. We have, if I'm not mistaken, still the least points of any club at home while being absolutely stellar away. It, it kind of makes things, you know, look maybe a bit questionable as we take on Pacific here. Now Pacific are in the middle of a pretty hefty road trip themselves. So hopefully we can uh, take advantage of that. Uh, that game's on Sunday, September 7th. Um, and then we play a game that, that was going to be on Friday, the 22nd. That's now on Saturday, the 23rd against Calvary at home. And then we play Ottawa home at, on Sunday, October 1st. That home game could be more than just the last home game of the season. If you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, so do we have any other thoughts on this recent stretch of games or what we have to do? After that, we'll get into players themselves and transfers. But do we have any last comments on this last stretch of games and what we thought about our months of August or September so far? Go ahead, Damon. You know, uh, not even about the stretch of games, but uh, I just checked FOTBOT right now. While you're talking about the home form versus the way form, I never checked this uh, recently. Bro, York United? is the best team in the league right now, in the whole league, for their away form. We're top of the standings for away, and we're bottom of the table, <laughs> bottom, like the worst out of eight teams, for uh, home, home games. And I find that bizarre. You know what I mean? Like that's wow. completely opposite of uh, what you'd normally expect, right? And Nash has got to figure that out. I don't know what the reason is. I don't know if it's the atmosphere. I don't know if it's... Um, um, you know, I have no idea. I couldn't even guess what it is, but I'm going to leave that question open to you guys to see why we're the best away team in the league right now and the worst home team in the league right now. What do you guys think? Well, well, I wonder if we if we have the mentality where when we go away, we're just like, well, we need to make these fans go home sad. You know, <laughs> just like p- piss them off, basically. Like, we don't we don't want them going home home happy. We want like we have a point to prove sort of thing. But at home, it's just like, I don't know. At home, like, obviously, like, there's whatever. We don't have fans, blah, 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 blah. But it's also, like, how many players really come over at the end of games? Like, how many players really care about the people who do show up? Yeah, I was is just that maybe a, that. Is that maybe affecting them? Is that is that maybe something that, that kind of affects their mentality when they're playing at home? 
sort of like that. That's what I think it could be. It's uh, I I do like see quite a few other teams, and and I'm like, yeah, these are like almost. Cons- I I know for Vancouver FC, it makes sense being new, but you see every single player there signing autographs and taking pictures after you know, the game's win or loss. Uh, I, you know, we know that Forge does a lot of stuff where, you know, we can meet them after the game. And it doesn't seem that we have too much of that. Um, I, I recommend to everyone to listen. I'm going to take about 30 seconds and hopefully not shut off my, uh, my feed here. It was the most recent episode of Footy Prime on Sunday, but the problem is they didn't give it an episode number as I don't always do, I'm going to do the math. <laughs> no, it's it's a mess if you try to look at the Caesar episode. It was the one on Sunday, and they talk about, it's, it talks about Jimmy Brennan's eye in the episode. And in the last half or the last third of that, Jimmy Brennan, who, if those that don't know, was actually our coach for the first three seasons, including um, our, our only time in the playoffs, and someone that, uh, you know, maybe those that have some attachment to TFC, Toronto FC might have an affinity to because of the, the background there. Um, for those that like don't really have any TFC or anti-TFC, um, much less sentiment for Jimmy Brennan in that sense. But I know that 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 was honestly not knowing a lot of players on the team. I did know Jimmy Brennan, and unfortunately. Um, a thing we've talked about all the time is how CPL didn't go with designated players to get those Canadian veterans in, which I think would have been cool for just name recognition. I'm kind of going all over the place here, but listen to Jimmy Brennan on the most recent episode. He kind of breaks down that lack of community feeling that a lot of us really don't feel. A um, little bit of a story time for everyone. Um, we had, uh, I think his name might have been Chris, but I do feel bad if it's not. I don't quite know if uh, I asked for his name. But it was our, our buddy from, I think he was a uh, Hibs fan from Scotland. Um, yeah. And he came uh, and enjoyed the game with us in the, in the Pyrac and the supporter section there. And it's after the game, and um, I, I had an early day Saturday, so I had to head home. Um, and he asks around, like, what's what are we doing after the game? Like, what pub are we going to? Where are we going for drinks after? Because that's just a, such a part of, like, his football cu- culture. Um, and just to look at him and say, yeah, we don't really have anything. We just kind of go home. You know, sometimes we've had things. We've had, uh, you know, jams in the parking lot. But in comparison to, they were talking about Halifax Wanderers and, and how their new stadium that they want to keep in the same location because it's a, again, imagine this, guys. It's a few-minute walk to get to downtown where it's busy and all the bars and all the action. Like, just a few minutes away. Versus us, like, you look around and it's literally closed university buildings. It's really tough unless we're uh, kind of bonding in other ways and just being friends and having drinks and that kind of stuff in the lot, um, it's harder to get that culture compared to um, some of the other clubs there. So York's been a struggle, and they do say some interesting points on that footy prime. Um, any kind of last thoughts? Before we move that's on? why, that's why ahead, we need man. Woodbine, bro, so that we can go ha- yeah. have a place to go after the games. <laughs> oh, man, I agree. If we get any positive news on that, like if there's any sort of, uh, you know, no one wants to have to go through a bunch of changes again. But I'm sure we would really see that as a positive change if we kind of get our own space. And, and seeing the, the Wanderers uh, stadium renderings, it brings us back to the Woodbine ones weren't too long ago. And it's like, I really want to see something come to fruition because we just lost Saskatchewan um, in that group. So hopefully there's more action there. Hopefully the other group, because I know that that group is Saskatchewan split. So hopefully the uh, the original guy i think Beelin or something is uh is able to pick that back up but who knows okay uh number two d-row got high so um unfortunately the and uh i'm a great host where i don't actually have the board or whatever it is prepared but it's like the canadian group for ethics and sport who Mm -hmm. decided that from a test in and 
I don't have the. I think it's from October 2022. We're talking almost a year ago. Trying to pull it up here. And then they pulled it up in in recently. We're gonna pull it up live here. We're gonna. I'm gonna type away at this. So uh, give... October 1st, 2020, uh, 2022 was when he got tested. Jeez, that's when I thought it it was. So back in October 2022. There was a test, and then I don't know if they found it positive back then. I don't know why it would take so long, but Osase Dirazera was suspended, not just for, um, like, games and stuff like that, but, like, kind of from all football ending activity. So that's going to really, um, you know, hamper you in all ways, especially when you're an athlete in the middle of the season. He tested positive for THC, which is a component in cannabis, um, which is legal here in Canada and in, in Ontario. So the rule itself, so it's, it is included on the World Anti-Doping Agency list of prohibited substances, which is why the Canadian Centre for Ethics and Sport, CCES, um, made the suspension. I think I saw someone, please fact check this for me, did someone say that this was the first ever THC suspension for a Canadian athlete? Uh... I'm not sure. That's yeah, possible. <laughs> it's definitely possible. Yeah. We, um, there, was there was a, uh, a snowboarder, Rothra Bugatti, who had his uh, medal taken away. He, was, he won the first ever gold medal in snowboarding, and he had it taken away for THC, but he did get it back. Okay, okay. So it's 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 so rare and unheard of, right? It doesn't even really have the the only sport I can think of it happening. I was a you know big NFL fan, and you would see ridiculous like full season suspensions, and then they just cut it and said, "Oh wait, wait a minute, maybe maybe they should be having a little bit of cannabis instead of like heavy painkillers." Is kind of where I think the NFL shifted to. Um, and uh, it was kind of disappointment from the club and from the player himself. And, and uh, Dwayne Deerzer supported his son. I think we all support, you know, we were all hashtag free Osaze. Um, and another big supporter we had was Josie Altidore, who uh, said, change this rule as soon as possible. Ridiculous. Um, so, you know, pretty ridiculous. And without Rosario, as I go back to the games here, so we missed him in i think the suspension was called on like um august 8th and it wasn't like a month like a calendar month it ended up being four games or something like that because he was actually back on the bench um for the september 4th game against halifax so he actually ended up being totally out for three games the forge game the calvary game the vancouver game we went one one and one so um, you know, hopefully his uh, assistance there would have helped out. But I think this goes a little bit naturally into a kind of a quick topic, a quick hitter here. Who do we like at the number nine spot? So at strike, we, you know, Nash plays the four, uh, four, two, three, one. Um, and up front at striker, we've seen a lot of Osase Di Rosario, who was our top goal scorer last year, but a little bit quieter in the goal front this time. We've seen a lot of Brian Wright, who was not scoring at all, was kind of helping out in different ways, getting assists, but then did get two goals in August. And now a little bit of Austin Ricci. So I put it to you three. Who do you like at our number nine spot? I'll go first, man. I just got off the bus so I could talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, first thing, uh, it was good. Uh, I was going to say about the suspension for Dero. It was kind of yep. worth it to get uh, York United in the new cycle. You know what I mean? Josie Altidore was talking about it. He got like 100 retweets or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like <laughs> worth it in that sense. <laughs> Yo, so my quick comment. Like I said, I haven't watched the, uh, our last game against uh, Valor yet. So I can't comment on that. But the, uh, the game against uh, Halifax, obviously uh, Richie got that Pocho's goal. You know, he worked, it was like a classic Richie goal. He works hard. We all know that, right? But in my opinion, mm-hmm. I've said this before, I didn't think he contributed that much to the game at all. You know, mm-hmm. like um, his, um, his uh, link-up plays, his uh, decision-making, like uh, he's taking a lot of shots from outside the box. He can't really control the ball inside the box very well. He didn't seem that comfortable as striker to me. And for me, I still see him as a, a second striker or even as a winger. And I still don't really see him as a, 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 the best striker that we have on our roster. And I know most of you are going to disagree. But you know what? For me, 
I enjoy being the contrarian. I enjoy making these uh, kind of arguments to at least get us to think about it. Because, you know, for me, I want my striker to be able to link up with uh, his front four. You know what I mean? I want him to be able to supply the passes to Mo, to his wingers, all that. And I feel like uh, both uh, D-Row and Brian Wright does a better job in that. And so I feel like our team does play overall better uh, with uh, those guys up top. But Richie, obviously, you know, he can poach from anywhere on the field. You know what I mean? So I think there's a spot for him. But I just don't know if, uh, for me, if a striker is uh, that spot. I'll go, I'll say uh, Wright, I don't care for at all. Uh, Dero is the best striker, but I think Richie could be the best striker if maybe he had better like uh, chances of practicing and having more cohesion with the team. Because I agree with what Namu was saying, uh, but from the goals that I see Richie get, I think that he has a lot of potential to be the number nine. Uh, I would say Richie, like same as Josh said, he has the most potential to be the best number nine. Like even. I think the goal against Whitecaps earlier in the season, that was just like a really good striker goal. Um, but also agreeing with Namu, Babuli's out the next two games. We don't have Alu anymore. Um, so who's going to fill that kind of, maybe not Babuli role, but Babuli spot. We could put Richie there and kind of play him as a second striker and have Osaze at top. I'm not really a big fan of Brian Wright either, so... <laughs> well, um, no, those are, are great points. I, I like to hear that perspective, Niamun. And I actually agree. Like, I do, um, for, you know, for player of the, the match, uh, it, it kind of feels weird doing this sometimes. But leaving Ricci off uh, without, um, like, even when he scored, he actually, this is back-to-back games, Vancouver and Halifax. He got goals in both. But um, actually just kind of a, as an overall game did not make that top four compared to some of uh, the other ones again it usually is close like i'm sure he was the next cutoff but he didn't really have kind of the overall right overall right overall game uh maybe that brian Wright has had a few like 90 minutes where he he's been pretty okay but i've been just really unhappy with like the the finishing and i just feel like it's been like some of them have been way off, but I mean, Osaze Di Rosario, I just, I'm trying to picture in my head him having a few chances and stuff. And I know he has him and uh, Osaze Di Rosario and Brian Wright are, I think, the still top two in the league for missed big chances, which is like statistical category for you're under low pressure. You have a direct shot like to the goal and you have like the ball with like no defenders between you and the goal, basically. Um, kind of your dream if you're a striker, but unfortunately it's been more of a nightmare as uh, Brian Wright only getting goals in those 3-3 three, three draws against Odd One Forge. But um, we still have these four games left there, so maybe that's when we'll see someone actually rise to the top. Well, uh, I mean, I'm, is there, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Right. Um, we were also supposed to get, I'm looking at squad here. I completely forgot about Theo Afe work. Oh, that's exactly <laughs> Was he supposed my to come back? Was he supposed I to come back like happened. mid-August? That's right. So in the beginning of the season during signing, I, I was making the the like welcome uh, posts. Uh, like I reached out to a few players, just saying, "Hey, do you have like a, a favorite picture of you from from any chance uh, training photos, or do you have like anything you want to say to the fans?" I um, mean, he was one that actually came back with a message saying, "Hey, working hard, like." hoping to be fit soon. Um, and then everything I saw, I mean, even us talking to Angus, it was supposed to be August. Um, he was a couple times in, I'm going to do control F here on my like thing where I keep track of stuff. Okay. So he shows up three times. That means uh, like three times on the season. He was on the bench and didn't get a single minute. Any of the times, as far as I can tell, two of those times on the bench were in July Again, like, you never know when it's just uh, injuries and stuff. Like, another person on the bench with Afwerk was Camilo Vasconcelos, who is, plays on Guelph United in League One. So he looks like, if you got 17 players to start and, uh, se- sorry, 11 players to start, seven on the bench for a total of 18, Afwerk is probably our 21st to 22nd player. Maybe surprised he's not getting a start, though. I'm mean, trying them. Naomi, what do you think? I'll... 
Um, well, I guess, like, I don't know. It's just weird that he's... We haven't had any word on it. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I had myself... Yeah. Sorry, Namu. Uh, you yeah, might have sorry. to fix your speaker there. You're a bit quiet. Yeah. This space was downloaded via spacesdown.com. Visit to download your spaces today. It's, 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 it's kind of too quiet for me to hear. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, the uh, shoes off for blue and green wouldn't be the same without someone's mic doing something. Usually mine. Um, we'll see if uh, Namu can fix the mic there. But otherwise, we will get into um, the... Transfer market is closed in September. I mean, in different leagues, it closes at different times. We had a few signings happen, and then we actually announced afterwards. But all in all, it looks like there was three players brought in on on kind of regular contracts and two brought in on development contracts. Um, Our... Three signings, and again, sorry, I'm trying to get the exact order here, but um, one of them is in goal, as Toronto FC 2 loans us the younger brother of Osase Di Rosario, Adiza Di Rosario, who I believe is only 18 years of age. Like He's definitely a young uh, lad, and he has been really kind of taking over the starting spot. I think he, I'm really, really impressed by... Um, like a lot of the challenges, like a lot of the balls he'll challenge. Uh, Nico was always good at that as well. Um, But it's like uh, something that I think has been pretty impressive to see. It's cool to have the pair of brothers on the team as well. Um, The development players there, so I was looking for their names. So a couple of the the younger guys, I think the new um, initiative where you can sign two U18 players, but they don't count towards the 23 players of the squad. Um, I don't think we had anyone that qualified for that yet, but we picked up, um, sorry if I mess up their pronunciations, but we have an attacker, Shola Jimo, and a midfielder, Adriano Ianello, both from the York United Academy. So that's pretty awesome to see that they really graduated the academy, which has only started up um, only a few years ago, but we already see two graduates of the academy. So shout out to, um, to Shola and Adriano. And then back to the, the main team there, to the full squad. Um, another signing we made, that was a, another Canadian, another U21 Canadian, um, as we try to get all the minutes, is Carson Bushman Dormand. Um, he's had a couple games. He actually picked up a red card, but then it got appealed, um, and he was back on the bench for the next game. And he's played a few minutes here or there as we try to claw back the U21 minutes. And our last most recent signing is Caden uh, Martin Perot. Um, and same thing, he's a uh, 20... Actually, sorry, he's... Uh, no, yeah, that's right. He's a 20-year-old, um, about to turn 21 later in the year. But he's another Canadian U21. So we've brought in Martin Perot, we've brought in uh, Bushman Dormand, we brought in Adiza De Rosario, and two academy players have been signed to U18 development contracts. So what do we think about our new signings? Can you guys hear, uh, hear me okay now? Perfect. Name yeah. is back. Here awesome. Loud and hey, clear. I guess, uh, you know, it's kind of cool to see the connection with the TFC, with uh, Adisa coming from TFC2 on loan. And uh, Shola Jimo coming like from the TFC Academy before, right? So it's kind of cool to see that we have that um, good or improving connect uh, relationship with TFC. Because, uh, I mean, that's probably like the uh, where we can get probably some of our most realistic kind of like signings. Is, uh, like, you know, kind of like the, hopefully the, the future stars uh, of the next generation, right? For us to be able to kind of promise uh, pro minutes at a younger age. I feel like that's probably the biggest uh, selling point of York United and CPL. So it's kind of cool to see that. Uh, I, you know, like, uh, we saw this on the York United Discord. Uh, some of the guys, uh, that follow the Canadian youth national teams pretty closely, they were really excited about, uh, Shola Jimo, saying that, uh, he's like a top five prospect for, uh, ca- uh, Canadian soccer players, uh, maybe playing domestically, uh, maybe like under 15s or under 17s or something like that. So he's considered like a, like a well-known talent 
in the the youth national teams and like really good with the MLS next uh, uh, with the TFC Academy as well, right? So I think it's a pretty uh, cool to see overall. And earlier, what I was trying to say, man, was that um, it's cool that you, it's good that you brought up that stat about uh, Brian Wright and uh, the uh, older Dero uh, leading the league in uh, missed chances because I think that's like the defining uh, stat for us for the season. Uh, all those uh, big chances missed, right? And that's like expected goals and all that. I'm sure if uh, Angus was on this uh, episode today, uh, you know he loves his uh, XG, right? And he'd be probably telling us all about uh, all that XG that's the miss from Brian and uh, Dero. <laughs> yeah. No, that's exactly it. And we've heard it before that, like, hey, we need to convert those to goals. And unfortunately, like, it seems we're kind of still sputtering along or doing the same thing or, or just really failing to do that. What's, what's kind of funny is we... Um, like our our best streak was still kind of earlier in the season. I think we've only won three games in a row. Like I'm trying to even get back to it. Like we just have a bunch of losses early on. Yeah, but then we chain those three wins together in May, um, and then a draw, and then a win, and then that shoots us off. I think by June, like at the end of the Pride game, we were I believe second place. Like that's we were stoked and looking good. And then we had a couple of games that finished off June where uh, no goals against Pacific, one goal on the road in Cavalry. We had that really bad 0-4 to four loss hosting Forge where we thought we might turn things around. And that's kind of a, that was actually the first game of the second half of the season. That was the 15th game. And it goes lost to Forge, 0-4. to four. Must be crushing, I think, too. That was, I think, our that was our second last game or third last game with Alou before he goes off, um, who was a good player for us. And, and men- as mentioned before, he it was the obvious replacement for Babuli, so it'll be interesting in, in what we do um, since. And then we um, we then lose. I think Lasana Faye might actually sorry Faye was even before that, so we probably talked about Faye going. But we've just had one more departure. Now, this one's a bit exciting because um, it's once again, someone joked about um, something about the National League loves Canadian Messi. If you don't know who Canadian Messi is, it is the man who got punched himself or slapped himself by Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Um, It is our winger, Mike Petrasso, um, a original uh cpler with valor who then made his way to york right after and was was always good for us when he wasn't kind of in the the training or the the injury room um unfortunately he's uh still suited up for us it looks like it looks like 51 he hits that 50 game mark for us uh across four years though so that maybe averages to what like 12 15 games a year uh, Mike Petrasso, though, I don't want to you know, be too hard on him. He had a great loan spell a couple years ago for Barnett in the National League, which is the fifth tier of English football. Now he's in the sixth tier in the National League South with the club Maidstone United. So until the end of the year, he's joined them on loan. Now I'm gonna when I say when I think uh, until end of the year, I'm not exactly sure if that means until the end of like his contract with York, which he is one of the players that does not have a contract next year. So I'm not sure what exactly happens, but he will be playing um, because they have a. F- Sorry, fall through spring season there. Um, sounds like he'll be playing with them for a long time, if, if that's how it goes. So uh, whatever our thoughts on no more Michael Petrasso, or is it kind of a non-factor? Well, I mean, like... You know, just like a general we, point, like uh, just kind of like looking, looking back on the season and just talking about these players, right? Like, you know, like we were so excited, like going into the season because on paper, you know, we had a... Uh, who we deemed uh, the best player in the league uh, in the uh, 2022 with uh, Babuli. We had the, uh, the, you know, the silver boot, right? He was a silver boot, right? De Rosario? He was like a second in the, the goal scoring charts, right? Last year, he was second yeah. to Diaz. He was just one back at Diaz and unfortunately yeah. actually scored an offside goal in the Ottawa game. Might not have been offside, but yeah, that was exactly a one, silver boot for Diaz. Yeah. So silver boot, uh, you know, like a uh, best player in the league. Uh, you know, um, Canadian Messi, uh, you know, like we brought back Tass, you know, like on paper, we were so excited going into the season and for us to be kind of like sputtering, uh, like, you know, trying to desperately hold on 
into this big expanded like uh, Frankenstein format. Crazy to just think about like uh, how our season has transpired over the season, man. On paper, you know. Uh, I mean, obviously, like we said, like the missed chances is probably the biggest story of the season. But um, I mean, some blame, of course, has to go to the uh, the 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 manager and the general manager as well for the uh, you know the 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 really like stale, inflexible tactics throughout the season, which is not like last year at all. Last year, Nash had like three different formations that he was rotating every game and all that. So I, I know he can be flexible, but he hasn't shown that this year at all for whatever reason that he's chosen. And this U twenty one minutes brouhaha that's um, been just kind of like hanging over us our head like the entire season, man. It's been a really weird season overall, man. Yeah, I I can't disagree. I'm I'm looking back. That's a great point, name. I'm looking back last year. He Nash rotated between his his most uh, favorite one. Um, it looked like it was the four two three one that he's played consistently this year, but he really rolled with a three four two one. In which the the back three were usually like Mordecudis, Thompson, and Zator, and sometimes that rotate between. But then you get Ensa and and like uh, Triple L a bit further up, and it looks like we had a, a up and down <laughs> streak trying to try that out. Um, but we also had like a straight up four four two for a few games where Di Rosario and Cabrera, if we remember him, were the the strike pairing. Um, there's a three, four, one, two. Like it was kind of all over the place. But when I go to this year again, I keep track of it for the um, the player that it becomes easier for the player of the match, player of the month, player of the year stuff. Um, and all I see is four, two, three ones. Like very maybe easy to plan for. Like you really got to be dynamic. And I sometimes hear like I listen to a lot of the KPL newsroom, like their podcast. And you hear coaches, like, when I hear, like, Geyser talk or Merriman talk about how specifically differently they're getting, they're like, oh, okay, we know that this team's got fast wingers, so we want to do this, or this team has this, and we want to do this. And see them switching up the lineups makes me kind of wish that we had that. Um, yeah, like, Jimmy Brennan gets really negative specifically on that, because James Sherman on Footy Prime asked him, hey, like, what do you think about York? Like, it's kind of a disaster when they were going for a really strong squad. So... What I'll explain is what we thought the theory was. So York spent, I think, at the halfway point of the season, they had maybe 400 of the required 2,000 U21 minutes. Uh, even at game, like, 20, 21, 22 out of 28. You know, it's not a very long season. Out of 28 games, we were almost three-quarters into it when we hit 1,000. So when we hit the halfway. So we see all of our transfers now are all youthful players who you know i don't want to say things against them because a a young player can be really good in fact when our team was the youngest they were actually the strongest we're kind of bringing these guys in really late and trying to get them acclimated and it just seems that like is it too little too late where we're going to be throwing together different rosters every time and not get consistency because what the team needs um uh, Josh found a pretty cool like statistic simulator thing, and what the team looks like he'll need is they might, they'll be in pretty good shape if they get like two wins out of this, these next four games. And that might not seem like a lot, but um, we're we're most directly competing with. Um, I'm going to bring up the CPL table here. So Cavalry are, are pretty clear um, at 43 points. Pacific are at 37 points, and they actually clinch the playoffs if they win against us and they have another game go there, which I think might be the Wanderers uh, or Atletico. One of them, I think, losing or something, and then Pacific winning uh, clinches it for them. So, sorry, Pacific, 37 points. Forge, 36 points. So those are the top three. But then here's our direct competition. Fourth place and fifth place, are Atletico Ottawa and Halifax Wanderers on 33 points. We have 32 points, so we're one right behind them, and all of those teams are on 24 games played, which was not even until this week. We got pretty lucky that both of those teams, Atletico um, and uh, Halifax Wanderers, um, I think uh, we're able to each pick up a point um, and not like a full win. No, sorry, I, I, sorry, Cavalry did beat Wanderers, so... 
you know what, I'm mixing up all my games because they are so bang, 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 so close together. But where it stands moving forward is we have to beat one of the two teams that have one more point than us now. Um, with all those teams playing each other, you know, those teams, I think, have one more game against each other, Atletico and uh, Halifax Wanderers. Um, and they're also going to have games against Cavalry, who are going to want to secure their first trophy, that regular season title. And, you know, Cavalry is going to want to win the playoffs. So they're going to want to really uh, go and dance for the last little bit here. Why second place is important is with this new CPL playoff rule is that second place, first place game, Jan Mackley get to host the final. You get to relax for two weeks. A lot of people don't like the 14 days off, but I, I do see the advantage to it when you're going to be hurt at the end of the season. You can throw together a friendly. I don't think people really realize that you can do stuff to keep your, your body pretty ready. Can you keep your mind ready for the two weeks? It's a different question, but... Um, I'm not as worried about that winning team getting the two weeks off. And then that losing team between the top two, um, they really pretty much just have to chill and wait for the winner of three versus the winner of four or five. And when I, when I say three, four or five, those teams kind of have a harder path to the playoffs. Five has all road games. So if York get the fifth spot, you kind of want to hope that the fourth spot is either Atletico, Ottawa, or Forge, so we can maybe have a road game that we all head to. Um, just saying, if we do have a game on that four five playoff game is a road game in Ottawa, I will drive us if we need. <laughs> um, or if it's in Hamilton, we drive ourselves there. Um, if it's in Halifax, it might be a bit tougher, but we'll see what we can do. But um, if we get fourth place, we actually host a playoff game. That's something York United has never done. So hopefully we can get motivated to surpass both Halifax Wanderers and Atletico, get to fourth place and actually host the game. Um, or even, I know it sounds kind of wild, that third is in reach. Third would require a little bit of a, a hiccup from Forge or even Pacific totally stalling. And I'm kind of at the point where I just like to see uh, a win or two at home. <laughs> I'm sure others would uh, as well. So um, our next point is LOL Ottawa. <laughs> so um, we're gonna, you know, try. Before we get to that topic, I just wanted yeah, to say, you know, go. that um, that playoff uh, away game that we had in Hamilton, uh, twenty twenty one. Oh man, it's been too long. It was a uh, amazing game, man. You know, we had like I don't know a hundred fans uh, from York United uh get to uh the Wingporium and all that shit. We had the march and all that. Oh my god, that was so much fun, man. So we gotta do that again. Come on, York United. Well, we all. We almost had 99 fans before, he, before at the fifth minute. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking of too. Hey, we can uh, we can all celebrate that all of our fans stayed there and we were loud. Honestly, something I will say, and I'm not just being jaded or anything, but we were honestly so loud that whole game because that was the game where people were so confused that we were losing, but we were like going nuts and happy. So they're like, oh, you're losing. We're like, yeah, but we love the team. Like, we're happy we're here in the playoffs. So, like, hopefully for us, and we, we'd get a shout-out from Charms for being little in number but still mighty fans. Hopefully we can uh, keep it going. Now, um, what are our thoughts on a couple of – I never heard of the supporters group, Laboos or something. Uh, someone threw, not for the first time this season, throwing beer cans at Calvary players. Now, both um, – that supporters group and the more well-known capital city supporters group uh, really pointed the finger towards the Calvary players and said that they were goaded on that they were literally said violently attacked in one. I don't know if they were violently attacked. I think it was more of a hand on the shoulder, but I mean, Ottawa fans probably felt that they were kind of intimidated in a, in a legitimate way of all the Calvary players rushing over and stuff. Um, but depending on what medium you're on, because they might have a bit more support on, on like different websites. But if you look at Facebook and the Canadian Premier League fans club, they're getting roasted and people think it's hilarious that they're that threatened by players coming over. Now they're a lot closer to things than we are. We're pretty close. We're separated by a fence that cannot uh, fall down. And in the scenario, if the fence ever did fall down, there still be the barriers there, and you know we'd never do a thing like that. But um, you know, don't throw 
shit of players, but uh, what are our thoughts on the whole uh, Ottawa fans versus Cavalry players thing that's going on? Is it good for the league? Is it bad for the league? Is anyone right? Is anyone wrong? I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's going gonna, it's gonna to blow over in a week. I want to hear Josh and Kyle's uh, thoughts on it. My, my quick thoughts on it is... Uh, Ottawa's looking like they're like statement FC or something like that. Loving to put out all these like <laughs> bullshit ass statements. Like it makes me fucking laugh, bro. Reading that shit is pathetic. You know what I mean? Like it's so embarrassing, bro. They're trying to justify, like don't even need to justify anything, bro. Like shit happens. Why are you guys getting like light, writing these like fucking essays on Twitter about it? Like it's embarrassing shit, man. I want to hear Josh and Kyle's thoughts on this shit. Ooh. Sorry, we got to bring back... I think we lost some of our speakers here, but we'll bring uh, bring these guys in. Uh, and if anyone wants to speak, uh, Ed, Josh, Juan, you can Sorry. let us know, request it. You're back. You should be back. Sorry, Kyle. yeah, my mic wasn't working. Well, um, I mean, the whole Ottawa thing is going to blow over in like two weeks anyways. It's not, it's not going to be bad for the league. But I do think it's hilarious that they're kind of just... Pointing the fingers at, at Calvary and being like, oh, they touched us. They, they did us so violently, blah, 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 blah. And, um, well, there's photo evidence. <laughs> um, nothing. It wasn't like they grabbed, like, I don't know whoever watched baseball. Like, first two weeks of the season, some one of the players really grabbed a fan's jersey, like, basically pulled them towards him. That didn't happen. Like, he maybe, you maybe got, I remember like, that. Sl- slightly touched. Um and wasn't that Tommy Pham, right? It was a uh, Ron- Rondon. I forget his first name. Radon, Anthony Radon. Okay, I, I, I remember. I remember Tommy Pham doing something like that too. Yeah, like, it's been like a really funny season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but at the end of the day, you you're the fans, and it doesn't justify throwing something. Um, and now them coming out with two separate statements saying that they were quote unquote violently <laughs> violently attacked by the Calvary players. Um. It it's not really good looks. It may, it makes them look like crybabies. <laughs> like let's be honest here, um, and it's just I don't know. It's just it's not a great look for them. And I think with everyone kind of being like, well, they're in the wrong. It they need to kind of look at that and be like, well, maybe maybe we actually are <laughs> instead of just keep going with the the narrative they have right now. Yeah, I, I will give the one thing, again, we don't do this too often on this podcast, but I will give Capital City that statement did say at least that they support the suspension. So we don't want to say that they that, that um, anyone in Ottawa necessarily supported throwing the beer. But yeah, I agree. Like the reactions to it after were like kind of wild to see. Like there was... The first one I think I saw was actually Ottawa, the, like the, the club themselves, talking about the suspension of two members. Um, and then Capital Cities was another another one. But again, the Le, Le Boo or Le Boys one, uh, they literally talk about, they're like, one of our most passionate fans now is banned for the season kind of thing. But like, bro, you throw you threw a metal object at a player. Like, if they're legit saying that they felt threatened and needed to do that they were still in the stands and the players were on the field. Like, give me a break. No player went into the stands. This is not malice at the palace. So they're releasing statements like it is. So it's kind of funny. Hopefully Carmen gets back at them and us in Halifax run the table and Ottawa go back to out of the playoffs because let's not forget the only thing in Ottawa's trophy cabinet that matters is their wooden spoon. So hopefully they can celebrate that on social media. As they often do. Um, speaking of social media and speaking of podcasts, this is where you can listen to all of our hot and crazy takes. Now, not just on Twitter spaces, but you can take it home on various podcasting platforms. Thank you to Namu for leading that. But I think it's already on Spotify. I think we looked it up on Deezer. I did try to look it up on Apple Podcasts earlier to little success that I will try again later. But that being said, you can listen to the episodes here. We're going to get them again on those podcasting platforms and stuff. But as we near the end of the episode, we're going to go into one more quick hitter topic, just a couple minutes here, looking at the end of certain players' contracts. Unfortunately, some of these players are fan favorites or strong players on the team. 
So I do want to hear about these. There are five players whose contract just straight up expires with no option next year. One of them is Kyle's favorite, number 11, Kevin Dos Santos, and one of our most frequent players of the match. So he's an international 22-year-old Portuguese that is uh, like a forward and a winger, and his international contract does expire at the end of this season. Michael Petrasso is another one where they expire at the end of November. Uh, Petrasso is already on loan, so I wonder if he's played his last game for the Nine Stripes. Another one, Tas Mordekutis. He's one that Namu mentioned by name about being exciting that he came back. What about if he goes, if he goes back to Australia or something like that, or hopefully moves up? It'll be rough to lose task because he has been solid, you know, back there on defense. Another one, another club stalwart and someone that we love that we see a lot, you know, actually comes back and says hi to the fans. Nico, Nico Giantsopoulos. He's a Canadian domestic contract, runs out at the end of this year. And the last one is a player we brought on, a player that I think is actually quite good, even if he did score into our own net at the beginning of the season is Jonathan Grant. Now he's currently recovering from that skull fracture from that scary head injury. Um, I always lean on the side of, you know, take head injuries like quite seriously. If you don't, it could result in some serious problems, but you know that Jonathan Grant's going to want to get back on the field and help out the team. And we do have a strong record with Grant and Nash actually did prefer Grant quite a bit to Ferrari, which is interesting. So we got five players. We got Petrasso, who's kind of already called for. We got Jonathan Grant. We got Nico, Tass, and Kevin Dos Santos. Who of those do we want to bring back? And is it all five? <laughs> I think we lost Kyle, so it's all you, Namu. <laughs> I feel like if Kyle is the uh, president of the Kevin Dos Santos fan club, then I'm the vice president, you know? <laughs> I've always uh, thought that he was a good, solid player for us. Um, I don't know, man. These are all tough. Um, like I said, uh, I said this on Discord. I feel like it's a really tough uh, call to make when we don't know the um, salaries of these players. Because, you know, like, you know, if it's just based purely on performances, then sure, that's the one thing for us to judge. But it obviously, you know, like they're all different contracts as well, too. So, you know, in a style cap league, you got to factor that as a huge factor, right? Um, it's hard to say, man. But, you know, like, you know, we just always grow attached to these players. You know, we love Nico. We love, we love KDS. Um, you know, I think most of us love Tass as well, too. Um, I mean, I, of course, we'd love to see these players back for sure. But then it also depends on how the uh, scouting has been going. Uh, for Angus, how his recruiting has been going, if uh, he's been able to line up any players uh, in internationals uh, uh, as soon as the season ends uh, for the next season. Like, uh, there's so much unknowns, man. But um, yeah, those players have been key for us for sure. Uh, obviously, you mentioned Petrasso, he's obviously gone because he's on loan. Was there a fifth player? Who was the fifth player you said? Uh, Mordekutis, Giansopoulos, uh, Jonathan Grant. Okay, Jonathan Grant. Yeah, you know, like, uh, yeah, like you, like you said with the skull injury, man. Like, oh, that's crazy, right? So hopefully, it takes his time coming back. He's been solid for us for sure. Um, you know, with his height, we always thought that you know he could be a CB for us because you know we never, you know, I mean, Roger Thompson's been solid for us. You know, like he hasn't like stood out like uh, in any poor way or anything like that. But uh, we always were hoping that uh, Grant could be like a contender in CB as well. Um. You know, he hasn't, like, stood out to me, like, um, exceptionally one way or the other. So, yeah, man. Um, yeah, it'd be nice to see him back to perhaps. But it depends on the financials, I guess. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, uh, I think so, too, that we got, like, not really a clear idea of, of how much everyone's making. I, I find that is something that, for me, makes a league more exciting to follow, is, is just that openness and that transparency and seeing, you know, gives players a thing to, to talk about as contracts and how much people are making. So the fact that CPL hides it and we have to speculate is it's a bit of a rough, you know, thing. And, and hopefully that's something that can open up. So that's why we support the, uh, the PFA can and the players association, because whenever like the, the league recognizes the union is when we really start to usually see that kind of stuff happen. So, um, 
the uh, the non football related story of the day, but that is relevant to any of our listeners that are near Toronto or even uh, east of Ontario. Um, is any hockey fans? There's a, a PWHL Professional Women's Hockey League. Um, season that's really just going to be starting and why it's really relevant is Toronto is one of the original six teams so uh, just because it's in the off season it's not going to clash with our York United um, consider following that if you're a hockey fan because the um, you know just talking about the league and the union players union going together got me thinking that you know that league's going to be starting up um, and right out the gate playing paying those top players um, as well. So it's going to be Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, and um, I always mess up if it's Buffalo or Boston that was in the PHL, PHF. That's not coming through. I think there's no Boston, uh, Buffalo team, but there's a Boston, there's a New York for sure, and there's a Minnesota. Um, but yeah, there's three Canadian teams, the uh, Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal. You know, it's funny that we have this kind of beef that we're starting with Ottawa because we can have it in another sport there. And then uh, speaking of women's sports as project eight continues to grow, we know that we're going to have a Toronto team there. So exciting things for, you know, sports outside of football um, inside the football world. Uh, Canada went undefeated during their international window uh, recently in which they played zero games. So uh, Canada soccer is, you know, hopefully going to get their shit together as they go. Uh, but Another uh, kind of football uh, thing that is more relevant to us is on September 26th. Now, the game is sold out, so you might have to watch at home if you can't get tickets. But Canada uh, women's national team plays Jamaica. If I'm not mistaken, that game is to qualify for the Olympics. So that will be really exciting. And... Um, I think we're kind of running out of everything and we've already been here for an hour. So um, closing points here, we're going to look ahead to the future and Naomi can let me know any of your thoughts on what we need to do to get to the playoffs. Our next home game is this Sunday, September 17th, kicking off at 5 p.m. We host Pacific, Pacific who are second place. They're looking to clinch a playoff spot. But if we beat them and Forge actually gets some points, Pacific could fall out of that number two spot. So it's a big game for both teams, just like all of the ones coming up are. Then on Saturday, September 23rd, we have a very, very big game hosting Cavalry. Make sure to come out to that one because I am getting married on that day. So that's very exciting for me, but not very uh, exciting for the Pyrak if... Not too many people show up. So as we take on the league leaders, Calvary, make sure to come to that game. Make sure to come to every game. That game is no longer on Friday the 22nd, okay? You might have that on your calendar or something like that. That game has been moved again to Saturday the 23rd. I think that game is at 1 p.m. or some early time, something like that. And I know on Sunday, October 1st, we have a home game against Ottawa. That is also a 1 p.m. kickoff. Our final game of the season is a road game against Vancouver FC on Friday, October 6th. So, Namu, and we also got no finish joining us as we kind of look ahead here. Let us know what you guys think, and we'll finish off the episode with your thoughts. No, no finish. That's a, that's, that's a flashback uh, moment for sure, man. This guy was a staple in our spaces and the uh, Ottawa Hatsova last year. No finish. We need, we need you in there for sure. But yo, quick, quick, shout out. <laughs> quick, quick shout out to uh, Jason, uh, you for uh, hosting this uh, today. Uh, what is this, a week or um, a week and a half before your wedding, man? Bro, like congratulations to you and a huge shout out to you for hosting this uh, all year long, man. It's been like a, an audio chronicle of uh, this uh, like very interesting uh, season for York United, man. Uh, you know, we hope, you know, we are obviously hoping that this continues, you know, like, um, you know, for me, this has been one of the like most uh, fun things uh, I've ever like, you know, had in my life. Right. And, uh, you know, we just want to keep this going. Right. Um, but no matter what, we got this audio chronicle right here. Um, so, yeah, shout out to you, bro. Uh, what can we do to uh, get some wins, bro? I mean, like, yo, we need to, um, you know, we just need everybody to come out and just have some fun time, get some beers, get some merch, whatever. That's the best we can do, man. 
Yeah, I agree with uh, what Namu just said. Honestly, just get some beers, have a good time. Like, don't even stress too much about the results. It's York United we're talking about. It's Martin Nash we're talking about. Mobile Blue. Jason, back cards. to you, bro. Yeah. Oh, man, even I'm having audio things here because I can't hear you guys, but I see you're talking there. And it's uh, appreciated that you end the show off with that. No, I, I, uh, I think we, uh, we don't really know what's ahead for this club. We hope it exists. We hope we don't become the next FC Edmonton. And then we start seeing branding of some Kelowna FC team and then find out that we're dropped from it. Or we don't start seeing some, like, Simcoe Rovers to CPL thing and we disappear because you know we like what we do. We just think hopefully we get the people with the proper keys uh, running things. Again, if, if you listen to that Footy Prime uh, podcast episode from last Sunday and I and, uh, want to hear what you think. If you agree there with Jimmy Brennan who thinks you really need to change things up, uh, if we need to connect back to the community um, or if this is the end of York, you know, we really don't know, but all we can do is support and cheer and if something else pops up you know we'll be there supporting it but what we really want is to you know be wearing that green and blue of york united and gold and not have to change things up again and just be able to see our same pals in the pyrac for years to come and one day have our own uh south end pie i don't know pie company like the charms uh, in the south end there at woodbine but you know until we do that and start bringing some people in might be a bit of a struggle, but we will be there. We'll be on here on Twitter. We'll be on Instagram, and we'll be in the uh, South End there at York Lions Stadium. We'll see you there this Sunday the 17th. We'll see you there on Saturday, September 23rd. We'll see you October 1st. Those are our last three York United games. Make sure to come out and support the Nine Stripes. Thank you all for listening. If you listen to any part of this, I appreciate you, and Come on, you nine stripes. Beautiful stuff. Good night, y'all.